When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Uh, welcome to Off The Tee, our penultimate episode of the year. Wonderful to be having a chat to you about all things golf and there is a ton to get through at the business end, especially of the PGA season. FedEx playoffs, uh, what what a week it was, and, and some of the performances were just incredible. And no better person to speak about all those things, too, than the former world number 16, the only man to beat Tiger Woods twice in two attempts at match play golf. Nick, 2-0 and Hearn. Hello, mate. Hey, Sam. We're coming to the pointy end of the season. Can't, uh, can't wait to talk about it all. I know. To a championship this weekend, and we'll work you through the starting positions because it is essentially a handicapped race. So it we'll is. go through all of that. Uh, and plenty more as we work through all the news in the golfing world for ping golf equipment so you can play your best. Why don't we start right there? Uh, in fact, one of the things that we didn't speak about last week, just to kick off with a good news story, is with a lot of speculation about who is and who isn't coming home for the Australian Summer and for the Australian Open, Minwoo Lee confirmed last week he'll be playing the Australian, the Lakes, uh, for the Australian Open November 30th. That starts in Sydney. So that's massive and hopefully that then is the snowball effect for our other big names uh, who are residing overseas currently to join him in yeah, seeing off for our big event. Is. I mean, to get Min Woo coming back, he's basically the hottest golfer in the US this year for the Aussies, yep. I think, other than Cam Smith, I guess, on the live front. But uh, to get him to commit uh, this early is is great for Aussie golf and, and all the locals and the fans coming out to support him. Can't wait for it. All right, let's start here. Victor Hovland at his absolute best. Started the day three behind, throws a little 61 at it. Yeah, I hadn't given it much thought, but uh, I don't think I have to think too long. Um, definitely has to be the best best round I've ever played. Uh, given the circumstances, playoff event at this golf course, and, and uh, finished the way that I did the last nine holes was, uh, was pretty special. You and I have talked about it all season. Course management has been big for you, knowing when you can be aggressive, knowing when you can pull back. Is today a culmination of you really hitting a different gear because of what you figured out? <laughs> well, I wouldn't say making seven birdies on the back nine is trying to play more conservative going into the greens. Um, it just kind of worked out that way. I think it was more of a mindset thing. I think instead of, oh, my God, I got a chance to win, I need to birdie this hole, I need to birdie this hole, I need to birdie this hole to have a chance. It was more just, okay, what's the right decision right here now? And then commit to it. And then obviously I, I hit some great shots. I got a couple of nice bounces and, and the putts went in. But it wasn't like, um, you know, I mapped the whole thing out. I was just trying to make the best decision in every single shot. Second week of the FedEx Cup playoffs, essentially the prelim finals. If you're looking for the comparison, the BMW Championship at Olympia Field, Chicago, it saw some incredible golf play, but none of it came close 
to what Norway's Victor Hovland dished up. Started the final day tied for fifth with Rory McIlroy, three shots behind the leader, Scotty Scheffler, Matt Fitzpatrick. Uh, in front of him was uh, open winner Brian Harmon in third, Max Homer, who shot the course record on day two of 62. Hovland fell to four shots back at the turn. He then put together the greatest back nine in FedEx Cup history, seven under, 28, seven birdies, 11 putts, Course record, 9 under 61, $3.6 million US. Nick, the biggest win of his career, his fifth PGA win. He's now outright second in the FedEx Cup standings as we head to Atlanta, East Lake Golf Course for the Tour Championship, now number five in the world. Could he have played any better? <laughs> well, I was a little disappointed he put a four on the scorecard on that back nine. <laughs> he had eight threes and a four, which, uh, as it turned out, was on a par five, so it was still a birdie, but... Wow. I mean, that is some golf. 28 on the backside. As you said, four shots behind going into that back nine. And most importantly, he's got an Australian caddy, so he's so easy to barrack for, isn't yeah. he? Yeah. <laughs> and he, he's such a good guy. I mean, when he's on his downtime, he goes back to Norway. He goes out with his mates and he's uh, some kind of oodle uh, and, and just goes and enjoys him. He just seems like a really, really good bloke. And when he, and we'll talk about this later. When he walked off and got congratulated from Rory, the first thing he says to Rory is, Rome's going to be fun. Oh, so yeah. all he can, he's not even thinking about himself and what might just be as he waits for Scheffler and Fitzpatrick to come home to see if he's won the biggest tournament in his life, all he can think about is the team golf coming up for the Ryder Cup. I reckon that says a lot about who he is it, and what he's all about. It certainly does. And the scary thing is the Europeans just look very, very strong at the moment. So they may even go in yeah. favourites uh, this year. But what a, what, a, what a back nine of 28, 61. I mean, Matt, Max Homer, he just set the course record on Friday and that lasted all of two days. <laughs> Come along, Victor, and yeah. you're just going to turn it on. And, and Scheffler had his chances there on the back nine, missed a couple of short yeah. putts. But... Uh, apparently, uh, and again, this is just a bizarre stat, but from, again, Tita Green, uh, Scotty Scheffler outplayed Victor Hovland on that Sunday, and yet Victor Hovland shot the best round of his life. So it goes to show you how good yeah. Scotty Scheffler hits the ball. Well, this is probably what did it for him. No putt that he had to take on the back nine was longer than 13 feet. Victor hit six or seven fairways, nine out of nine greens. He gained 3.5 strokes on the approach, 6.5 in total. Six birdie looks inside nine feet. And in his words, it's the best round I've played. His year, which we've spoken about a fair bit, he, he hasn't missed a cut all year. He was seventh at the Masters. Um, he uh, was tied. He was uh, second at the PGA Championship, 19th US Open, tied the 13th at the Open. His aggregate scoring in the majors was second behind Scheffler. And neither of them won majors, but they were the two most consistent performers on aggregate score throughout. What do you see when you see Victor Hovland play? What is it that has him on a really st quite a steep upward trajectory, mm. now fifth in the world, and, and it's a matter of when, not if he wins a major? And the scary thing is his short game still can improve. That's, that's, the, yep. that's the thing that everyone's been talking about lately is his short game is getting better, and that's where the improvement, I think, has come in his game because it's in a way that has improved, so it's freed his long game, long game up a little bit. But when you watch him swing, he takes it inside, comes over the top of it, and just hits these power fades all day long, basically. But he can move it right to left when he wants to. But from tee to green, him and Scheffler, I think, have separated themselves almost from everyone else. And he's been putting really well of late, um, rolling the ball beautifully on the greens. We saw that putt on the final hole from about six feet, and you think, there's no way in there's no way he's going to miss this. He's just rolling the ball beautifully. But as you say, when you have looks, all your looks are inside 13 feet, you're going to make a lot of birdies, mm. but you still got to convert and such yeah. an impressive round. He's a tireless worker, we know. I mean, how many times do you see vision? There's him and a few others that do this, but good days or bad, 
he he will always go back out onto the practice fairway when he finishes uh, around. Some lot to go to gym, some do all kinds of things. What did you? Were you one of those guys? Were you a good, bad, or indifferent? Were you straight back out practicing after a round, or did you need to shut down and? How did you do it? It really depended for me. I, I like to head to the range after every round for 10 minutes, five minutes sometimes. Every now and then I'd go, no, i got an early tea time the following day. I don't really need to go back out. Mm. I'm happy. But it's almost like having a warm down. And, you know, for all the other sports in the world where you're professional footballers, cricketers and all that, they all have warm downs after their games mm. where they either get on a bike or a treadmill or whatever. And, it, and golf, it's no different. Mm. I used to go to the range, hit some balls, just kind of work on a couple of things. But, but that's a different thing, isn't it? Because we lament the, 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 the downward turn in goal kicking accuracy in AFL footy. Mm. They're not going out after a game and having shots at goal. They should. <laughs> uh, well, they, they, that's a very big conversation that you yeah. and I have had because as a pro golfer, you've laughed at the fact that they don't practice their – that the only thing they have is a set mechanism. They don't practice time and time again. For golfers – it's, I, I find that incredible that after playing for six hours and because it was getting pretty long, some of yeah, the rounds, sure. um, the, the first thing you do is go back out there and keep hitting. Yeah. Well, that's just part of the part of the improvement process. I mean, one of the biggest things I find where you learn the most is after, is that downtime after the round. You think about what's happened during the round and you, you go, okay, what mm. worked, what didn't. That, that reflection period is really, really important. And then to just solidify the fundamentals again, work on the things that didn't work. You don't really have to work on the things that did. But just to, just to sort of in your own mind get ready for that following day is a very important part of the day I've, I've always found. And the thing I love about Victor, whether he plays well or not, he's always got a smile on his face. You never yes. see that guy without a smile, and it's so good to see. He dresses a bit different. Well, he, he laughs at how he, he says, oh, I don't know how bad it is, but I feel, I, it makes me happy and I feel comfortable and therefore I'm going to play better. Well, in everyday life, he, he someone asked him about it and said, "Look, do you normally dress like this?" He says, "No, I'm, I'm you know, muted colours. I'm black. I'm greys. I'm whites, and all that." But this is what Jay Lindbergh sent me. So every week, I got to basically put on whatever they send me, and yeah. they pay me a lot of money to do it. So he just wears wears it and goes out. And guess what? It works for him. Uh, it certainly does. Hey, there's so many other machinations and permutations and stories to come out. Um, of the BMW Championship, which we're going to talk about on the other side of the break, the, the top five and then how our Aussies went. And then we'll look ahead and explain to you what it all means for, for the Tour Championship. There's some Ryder Cup to talk about as well. And our Australian season is underway, the NT, PGA. So the heap to get through. But I thought, why don't we hear how Victor Hovland's win was broadcast in Norway? Oh, yes, I love this. <laughs> There we go. I know one of those guys, Henrik Bjornstad. Yeah. He, he's a hell of a guy. Yeah, really <laughs> nice guy. And I, I watched that earlier and it was just hilarious to see how, how passionate they were about him winning. Uh, it's a special moment for him. It means that he will start uh, in second position. Um, behind Scotty Scheffler in the Tour Championship. We'll break all that down for you on the other side of this. This is Off the Tee. All the latest news for Ping Golf. Ping Golf equipment is custom engineered, custom fit and custom built for you to play your best. Don't forget too, Nick Ahern has another copy of his book, How to Play Your Best Golf. Send in your questions for Nick on what you need help with with your golf game. The lucky text that we read out will walk away with a signed copy with a personalised message of his book for Nick's tip of the week. You can text in 0433 98 11 16.
Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee. Talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. So after Victor Hovland claims the BMW Championship, he's now second in the FedEx Cup standings as we head into the Tour Championship, the season culmination. Um, the other top five with some really interesting stories to come out of there, Nick Ahern. Um, Matt Fitzpatrick's probably the main one. So the 2022 US Open winner, he was 40th in the standings coming in and is now 10th after he finished tied for second. That is a performance that is literally worth millions. It is. Um, he's had a mixed year, four top tens, including the Masters and his RBC Heritage win, but he missed six cuts as well. And again, another tireless worker. He's big on analytics. He's meticulous. And we love that he's very fast. Yes, exactly. Fast golf swing too. Yes. Well, maybe his brother Alex has fired him up because his brother Alex Fitzpatrick's been playing really well over in Europe. Yeah. He won a Challenge Tour event. He won. Se- he was second last week in the yeah. DP World Tour event. But no, he's a he's a phenomenal golfer. Possibly the most statistical golfer you ever see. He's, mm. He he, uh, he jots down notes on every single shot he's ever hit in his life, I believe. But. Interestingly, he had a putt on the last green, which could have changed the whole entire format of the final uh, FedEx Cup tournament. If he'd have made birdie on the last hole, it would have meant Hovland went to number one in the standings and Scheffler would have been two. And the thing about the last tournament is whoever's leading starts at 10 under par and whoever's second starts at eight under. So there's a two-shot swing there, but it actually would have been a four-shot swing as it turned out if he'd have made that putt. Uh, So that was a real interesting part about how that tournament finished. It had no bearing on whether Hovland was going to win the BMW Championship, but had a very big bearing on next week. Scheffler has a two-shot lead on Hovland going into the final round because of this staggered start, a bit like the Stallwell gift in a way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, so, Chef, Scotty finishes tie for second, and each week we use the that, that age-old saying, drive for show, putt for dough. But there's never been a greater example of that. I mean, this guy, I think, would be daylights ahead of everybody at the moment if his putting matched every other element of his game. When he was five under through 13, he had six birdies, looked unbeatable. He actually was putting well. There was the long birdie he nailed on 13, but then it all, all the woes sort of came back. Uh, the par on 15, when he had almost made the green in two, he missed a six footer on the par three, 16th. And then he three putted on 17 from inside 22 feet. He started out and that was a bogey. He needed an eagle on 18 to force a playoff. Um, so the, I mean, does it, have you seen anyone who's the distance between what they're great at and what they're not? Have you ever seen a player who is in every other facet of the game elite? Mm. And they're all elite because they're playing they on the best yeah. tour. But in this set circumstance, he is re- still number one in the standings, uh, in the top three in the world, but his putting stats have him at the very low end of uh, yeah. of the competition. A player that comes to mind back in my day was Colin Montgomery. When his ball striking was incredible from mm. tee to green on the European tour for many, many years. And he was a he was a solid putter, decent, but when he did putt well, he just won by a ton. I mean, he'd win four, you know, five tournaments a year, no problem at mm. all. And he won seven order of merits in a row. So that's sort of a bit of a comparison. But I heard a stat this week that if Scotty Scheffler hits 60 out of the 72 greens or around that mark, he will have averaged 75% of greens for the entire year, I think, something like that. And no one has done that since Tiger Woods in 2000. So which, that's, is the, which is the year. Which, which is the mark, basically. Yeah. That was one of the greatest years of all time it's in the history of the game. Yeah. <laughs> you know, almost winning four majors, yeah. basically. So uh, his TD green play is so far ahead of everyone else, but he's putting this year. If he did putted just half decent, he would have... 
I mean, he won two tournaments, but he would have won one or two majors, yeah. and I think he would have won about seven or eight events. It was yeah, that's what they're, 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 and then someone's done the numbers on that. If he just had been able to gain a shot rather than lose the amount that he has, then he's winning a ton. Um, the driver off the deck though was phenomenal on Saturday. I loved that. That was that was yeah, he's pretty that handy. Was enjoyable, at that. Yeah. very enjoyable. That's one of that. You um, don't don't try that at home, folks, yes. unless you practice it. <laughs> Uh, Rory, another one who's having putting problems at the moment. He was fourth. Um, again, he was hitting pure. But um, did you notice that a lot of his putts were were going um, narrow and he was falling to the inside of the hole? Mm. Well, I've, I've always had a thing about Rory in the way he putts, the, how he rotates his head when he's over mm. the ball. He, I'd love to see that right ear go under a bit more. It tends to go around and it can throw his shoulders out a little. And I've watched his... His, uh, his arm stroke through the ball as well. It's a bit of a lifting motion. So whether that's got something to do with it, I don't know. He, he works uh, on his putting with one of the best putters ever, Brad Faxon. So I'm sure yep. they're looking at a variety of things. Uh, before we get you to explain how the Tour Championship's going to work, I'm just going to rip through. Max Homer tied for fifth with Brian Harmon, uh, who was the Open winner. Max has been very good since that top 10 at Royal Liverpool. The course record on Friday of 62. Um, he birdied 17. I'm gonna, that will be in my mulligan, actually, what happened uh, on the Saturday. Uh, just a little preview there. Jason Day was tied for 45th at plus seven. Uh, we'll start the week uh, for the final week of the Tour Championship in 25th. He was 21st going into the BMW and 11th going into the St. Jude. So it's been a 14-spot um, a drop for uh, Jason Day, but he's still there. Cam Davis won't be, uh, just couldn't quite make up enough ground. He finished uh, 40th. Um, and 48th for the year, and he's now ranked inside the top 50. So that's massive for him for next year. Huge, because then you get all the signature events, all the majors, everything that you want to play, and you'll be there, which is a great achievement for the young man. Uh, John Rahm, tough week, type of 31st. Uh, he's fallen to fourth. Uh, he started out uh, in first before the St. Jude, so it hasn't been a great couple of weeks for him. The big movers, along with Fitzpatrick, who moved 30 spots, Sungjae Im was 28th to 17th. Chris Kirk fell out of the top 30, and... Sparrow's thought for second-year pro, um, uh, Sahith Thigala, tied for 15th. He was 31st coming in. He bogeyed the last, which meant that he didn't get inside the top 30. That final bit, you know, when you're coming to that bubble at the end, it was all over the shop. Spieth, he made bogeys on 17 and 18, and mm. he's thinking, I'm out. And then McCarthy makes three bogeys over the last seven holes to fall out. Thigala, as you said, he birdies 15, 16, 17, he's in. He bogeys 18, he's out. And then Cantley birdies the yep. last, which forces him out. It's just yeah. bizarre how it all unfolds and Straka at the end. got back in. Oh, <laughs> it was mayhem, I which love is the what's great about the, yeah. the format. So talk us through. We've got uh, about two and a half minutes before okay. we've got to hit the break. Talk us through the, the standings and how the Tour Championship actually works. Because the only event of the year where you start out already with a score. Yeah, it's a staggered start. So it's rewarding. Yeah, it's rewarding the best players, obviously. Now, Scotty Sheffer at the top, he's going to start at 10 under. Victor Hovland, who's second, is at 8 under. Rory will be 7 under. Ram 6. Lucas Glover, 5. Then after that, from players 6 through 10, they all start at 4 under. 11 through 15 are at 3 under. Uh, 16 to 20 at uh, 2 under. 11 through 25 at 1 under. And then if you're 26 through 30th, you are even past. So Jason Day at 25th, he's going to be one under yep. nine strokes back of Scotty Scheffler. Good luck. Interestingly, last year, though, that Rory won it, uh, and he started last year four under and one. So where Max Homer, Cantlay and Brian Harmon, Wyndham Clark and Matt Fitzpatrick are all starting, that's where Rory started last year with Scheffler in pole position. He was. It, a lot, that's probably a good analogy, too. It is like a Formula One race is, as well. Yeah. Uh, so Scotty Scheffler was pole position last year um, and fell away and Rory was uh, six shots back uh, and still won. 
Yeah, it's hard to see anyone beating, I think, the top two or three players. You've got mm. uh, Scheffler, Hovland and McElroy. Rahm, his form of late hasn't been that great. So it, maybe he can turn it up. Who knows? What's going uh, wrong for him at, at the moment? Because I, no, the, the start to the year was insane. I think he won two out of the first three or four tournaments. Obviously won the Masters. I think he just needs a rest, to be honest. It's been a long year. The Ryder Cup's coming up. So I think he's going to take a few weeks off after this tournament yep. and really get his uh, the energising going for that event because that means so much to him. And I think the end of this season, it's just been a long year for him and he probably needs a bit of a rest. We're going to go through um, the Ryder Cup and how it's situated um, at the moment. Um, the US team is probably the more interesting case study out of all because of what's going on with the live players. Um, and then who has jumped up into the automatics that if you were to say at the start of the year we're going to be some of the automatics, we, you probably would have been laughed at. A little bit, yeah. A little bit. Yeah. Are we going to talk about that now or after the break? Well, we've got you a break me. that we can't move. Okay, so we're going no to start, problem. instead of starting the chat and then well, having to cut it off. Well, there's an interesting one who's been knocked out of the top six and we can talk about that after. So Yeah, and, and, the, and you can explain to us how the European team selected as well mm. because they've sort of got two different ways of they do. qualifying from their tour. Um, and then also what they get from a world perspective in terms of points as well. So Nick O'Hearn's going to break down how the Ryder Cup uh, is going to be selected, the automatics, and then who is in contention for the captain's picks. It's always exciting when it's a Ryder Cup year. So next week's our last show. We will wrap up the Tour Championship uh, and look ahead to what the Australian summer looks like as well. The Australian summer is underway, by the way. Well, the, the, the season, PGA of Australasia, the uh, NT PGA Daniel Gale getting the win there, which we'll talk about and we'll hear a little bit from him uh, as well. 0433981116, your questions for Nick. You could be walking away or having a copy of his book, How to Play Your Best Golf, sent to you. If yours is the text that we are reading out, more off the tee after this. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off the Tee, talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. Nick O'Hearn, let's turn our attention to Ryder Cup. Friday the 29th of September 2023 to Sunday the 1st of October 2023 uh, at Whistling Straits in Wisconsin. In the US, it is a Ryder Cup year, which is always very exciting, but there is conjecture. There <laughs> is um, a bit of controversy is not the right word, but there will be controversy when the, the teams are announced. There's one more week for the PGA Tour guys to put their name up in lights, but walk us through, we'll start with the US team. Yep. Walk us through who's locked in and then who's competing for a captain's pick and just explain the format for those who aren't quite aware. Yeah, sure. So so we have 12 players per team basically going head-to-head -head over three days, I think it is, or is it four these days? I can't remember now. Actually, they might have changed it. But anyway, on the US side, after the BMW Championship, we had a they have a point list uh, which was confirmed. So the top six are automatic qualifiers, and then they have six captain's picks, which are going to come after next week's tour championship. Mm. So they still have a week to sort of... Uh, argue their case, I guess. But the automatic picks are Scheffler, Wyndham Clark, Brian Harmon, Cantlay, Max Homer and Xander Schoffle. Schoffle just knocked out Brooks Kepter, who had that sixth spot. So mm. he's the one live player that I think... He won the PGA. Think, and he won the PGA. He yeah. was runner-up at the Masters, I yes. think, and has had a fairly good season, you could say. Yep. It's going to be interesting who Zach Johnson mm. is going to pick. If you, I mean, he's seventh on the list... 
The thing is, the players behind him, you've got Spieth, Cameron Young, Morikawa, who have all played. They're, they're going to be in there. I think uh, Keegan Bradley probably will get a pick. Ricky Fowler is outside the top 12, but I think he's going to get a pick. Justin Thomas is one of the all-time greats of Ryder Cup players for the US team. I think they're going to pick him, even though he hasn't been playing wow. very well uh, towards the end of the season. He's a great team player, and when the Ryder Cup comes around, I reckon the European players do not want to see him on the United States team. So Kepka, he's going to need a bit of love from Zach Johnson, and going on past history, yep. he's not a real team player. He he made complaints last time about how the... You know, the schedule knocked him around. He has to do all these team things. He didn't really like it because he was more an individual person and that doesn't work well in the Ryder Cup. So he's seventh on the Ryder Cup point list. His record is six wins, five losses and a draw. Um, Just above 500, yeah. Colin Morikawa has never won. No, he's, uh, sorry, three wins, zero losses and a draw. So he's got a great Ryder Cup record. Um, Lucas Glover's never played. DeChambeau, two wins, three losses and a draw. Um, and, of course, he had that 58 uh, earlier this year. Ricky Fowler's interesting. Three wins, seven losses, five draws. But you're, you believe that he should be playing? I, I think that given, look, team harmony is a massive thing, I think, in, yeah. these, in, in these instances. And we've seen over the years how that can uh, fracture teams in a way. I remember Dustin Johnson and Brooks Kepka having a bit of a fallout in one year. Mickelson threw the captain under the bus after the whole thing. Patrick Reed, I mean, that guy's never getting a captain's pick. <laughs> There's no <laughs> chance, that's for sure. So DeChambeau's not going to be on there as well. Um, the live players, look, you almost needed an automatic selection, I think, to get on this team. Because Zach Johnson, he knows all these guys, had a lot, a lot of love for the PGA Tour over the years. And, and uh, I think he's going to go a bit with his favourites. And, and it, to be honest... There's about seven or eight players after that automatic six. It doesn't matter who you pick. They're all going to play, you know, represent the red, white and blue for him very well. So Justin Thomas hasn't had a great year, but what he has done is play Ryder Cup great. He's six wins, two losses and a draw. Yep. So that record is is as good as anybody's uh, who's in contention to play. Um, So that's going to be fascinating to see uh, what how the selection will actually take place and who will actually get those captain's picks. And it's interesting, Zach Johnson saying he hasn't really spoken much to the live guys. So it doesn't look good for, for, for them. I, I think on merit, Brooks, if you win a major, yeah. I, I, win a I major think... and come second in another one, I, I think you deserve to be there. But maybe have the chat. I mean, that's what captaincy is, isn't it? To ring and say, hey, listen, mate. Not that he'd say, mate, because he's American. <laughs> but, hey, listen, and be honest. There's, there's people are a bit iffy and you, you, you've been a bit this before. If I pick you, this is what I need from you. So can you promise me that this is what you will be and who you will be? Because that's what I need. Can you give me that? Yeah. Give and him the chance to do it right. Yes. And it's been a very, very long time since the US have gone to Europe and won. Um, the exact amount of years, I think it's something like 30 to 40 years ago. I think they were last one in Europe. I, I'd have to look that one up. But, yeah, sorry. Uh, I said the wrong venue before. That was where it was in 2021. We're going to Rome. We're going to Rome. Uh, w- yes. w- w- yeah, come on, Sam. What did you mention? I didn't even hear it. I mentioned the 2021 venue. Oh, okay. Whistling Straits. <laughs> Whistling yes, Straits. Right. Yeah, that was where it was last time. We're yes. heading to Rome. Yes, Marco Simone. Yes. But the thing about Brooks Kepka's game is it will suit this golf course because you, you need to be long and fairly accurate mm. off the tee. He's a great ball striker.
so from the European point of view, their qualification for this is a little different. Just explain how that works. Yeah, they have two-point systems going on, just to simplify it, you know, just to make things more uh, yeah. interesting. They have a world point system, which basically takes into your account, because a lot of the guys play PGA Tour now, obviously, and then they have a European points system for a lot of the players that play on the European Tour. So there's mm. two different point lists going on at the same time. As far as the European rankings go, where you've got Rory, Rahman, and Robert McIntyre, the Scottish guy, who are kind of those are the top three. So they take three from Europe uh, points list and then three from the world. And at the moment, it's Hovland, Hatton and Fleetwood off the world points list. So those are the sort of six automatic qualifiers. They're going to be named, I think there's a couple more weeks. That's a good... That's a very good starting six. That's a very good starting six. I mean, three of those guys are top five in the world now. Exactly. Um, And and Hatton and Fleetwood are ensconced... um, I'll, I'll, I'll tell you where they where they actually are. So we get that uh, 100% right uh, in the world golf rankings. Um, it's the picks that are going to be the interesting thing for uh, for Luke Donald and uh, and who he gets there. Uh, so just read some of the names out that, that would also be uh, in contention. Yeah, well, definitely Fitzpatrick, Matt Fitzpatrick. He's right on the well, bubble there, yeah. so he's kind of the next guy in. Seb Straka, who's had a very good year in the US. Yeah. I'm a little worried about him because he's hot and cold. He could have a horrible week. Who knows? He's a very streaky player. But if he has a good week, well, the US are in trouble. Yannick Paul, the German player, has had a very good season over in Europe. Adrian Moronk, Polish player as well, who won our Australian Open last year. He's actually won at Marco Simone before, so he knows the golf course very well. Hatton 14th and Fleetwood 15th uh, in the world. So That's incredibly strong. That speaks for itself. So they're sort of the next four on my list. And then you've got players like uh, Shane Lowry, Justin Rose, the, the experience, if you want. They're, they're mm. a little bit further back, but if you're looking for a bit of experience, that'd be great. It'd be fun for them to take someone like Erasmus Hoygaard. He's an up-and-coming Danish golfer who has a lot of potential. Victor Perez is another player as well who, mm. could, who could be up there. But the one a lot of people are sort of also talking about is this young amateur just turned pro, uh, Ludwig Aberg. But who's a Swedish golfer, incredible driver of the golf ball, one of the best drivers of the ball in the world, suits the golf course very well, but he just hasn't really kicked on early in his career. And if he gets a captain's pick, well, I'll tell you what, there'll be some interesting comments going about on social media. But they're sort of the players that Luke Donald has to take into account going forward. Well, we can't wait for it. So, um, Ryder Cup uh, 2023 edition. I'll get my screen back up in just a moment and we'll... um, We'll let you know exactly when and, and where. Um, the Australian or the, the PGA of Australasia uh, season has started and we spoke about Daniel Gale a few weeks ago uh, having qualified for uh, one of the PGA events. The 3M Open, yeah. The he 3M shot Open. 60 in the Monday qualified to uh, get into the tournament. Incredible. Well, um, he had a Sunday 65 uh, to win the uh, NT uh, PGA. Um, 32 on the front nine, 33 uh, coming home on the back nine, uh, he's got his own unique swing. He's got his own unique style. He's a bucket hat guy, which I love. Yep. Um, an all-round good guy as well. Um, what did you make of his performance? Yeah, he, he you know, he set the, set the tone early, played very well early on and, and had the lead over the weekend most of the time. And he, he's a unique player in the fact that he, he does things his own way. I remember them talking in the, in the PGA Tour coverage a month ago when he played. They were commenting how unusual his golf swing is. And, and he said, well, it's just what I do. It feels pretty natural to me. And I think a lot of golfers are like that. What, what looks to be different actually feels very comfortable for him. So he has his own style and way about playing the game. And he's a real competitor and he can go really low and he, uh, he 
held off um, the Queenslander Chris Crabtree coming down the stretch there to uh, to take out the title, and that's his second win here in Australia after winning the PNG Open uh, about four or five years ago. Uh, this was him after the win. I, I am over the moon. I mean, it hasn't really fully sunk in yet, but um, I'm just happy. I just sort of did all my conquered all my sort of daily goals for today to get the job done. Um, it has been building. I mean, a few runner-up finishes, which is frustrating because to get within one shot, two shots and all that, like, it's brutal. Um, it's always brutal to finish second, but you're obviously playing well. But to find, and obviously what Mika did at Bonnie Doon last year to obviously get me when I had the lead and I played pretty decent in the final round, like, that's that's just going to happen, unfortunately, at times. And I've just grinded away. I'd so that was Daniel Gale after winning the NT at PGA. Um, fantastic to be taking events to Darwin, Nick, and, and this year going all over Australia. Um, there's the uh, DP World uh, to Acute School first stage, which is happening at Rosebud Country Club on the north course. James Marcassani winning that last year. And then the next um, full-scale event will be the WA Open, the 5th to the 8th of October at Joondalup uh, Country Club. Dean Lawson winning that uh, event last year. It's um, exciting that the Australian summer is 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 often going. Yes, it is. Uh, can't wait for uh, the start of October. Really, when they all kick off, we've got the WPGA, W Open, as you mentioned, and then uh, into the Aussie PGA Australian Open uh, late November. We've basically got a good sixteen tournaments over about a five or six month period. Mm. So we've got a lot of golf coming up. A lot of the stars will be back home too. Uh, just those Ryder Cup dates <laughs> from Marco Simone, uh, Golf and Country Club, 29th of September to the 1st of October, so over three days. Just some other results, Nick, from uh, the week just gone before uh, we come back and get into the mulligan. Of course, Nick's tip of the week, if you'd like him to answer your question specific, specifically, if you've got a question about your golf and area that you need to improve, this is the man that can help you do it, and he'll even not only answer your question if you're the one that we read out, but he'll send you a copy of his book, How to Play Your Best Golf. So text in 0433981116 to get involved in that. Uh, some other results have caught your eye, please, Nick. Yeah, I think uh, in Northern Ireland they had two tours playing there, the DP World Tour and the LPGA, both playing the same golf course. And uh, Englishman Daniel Brown had a five-shot win over Alex Fitzpatrick, which was uh, an incredible result for him. And the Fitzpatrick brothers are just playing so well. They both mm. finished in the top three this week. On the LPGA side of things there, Alex uh, Pano, on her birthday, actually won yes. in a playoff against the uh, Germans, uh, Esther Heinzelite. Now, her, she, correct me if I'm wrong, but this is mm. a rookie season. Yes. And was in danger of losing her card. Yes, very much so. But now she's got a two-year exemption, which is kind of nice, right? Absolutely. So congratulations. <laughs> and she won it in style, too. She yeah. played some really good golf coming down the stretch. Uh, the US Amateur was on in Cherry Hills in Colorado. Nick Dunlap defeated Neil Shipley, who's very much a Pat Perez lookalike. <laughs> uh, four and three. Uh, Carl Phillips actually made the match play section, who's the, uh, an Australian golfer. That was uh, a good result for him. But Nick Dunlap became the second player ever to win the US Junior and the US Amateur. And the other player who's done that? None other than Tiger Woods, the only other player. But Tiger did it three times each. Yes. <laughs> this guy's only done it once. It's but, crazy uh, because didn't he win the junior three times, and the, then the amateur three times? Three times. Yep. 
six-year period, and then he turned pro. Away he went. So, uh, and the rest, well, he's had a pretty decent career since. He's gone okay. <laughs> uh, on the Asian Tour, they had an international series uh, event in England. Uh, Andy Ogletree had a seven-shot win there. A number of Aussies did well. Uh, Matt Jones tied for fourth. Terry Pilkadaris, 11th, and it tied 12th, Travis Smythe and uh, Jack Thompson. Good result. Richard Green tied for 12th on the Champions Tour, which was won by Ken Duke. An interesting character I played a little bit of golf with over there on the PGA Tour. On the Corn Ferry Tour, uh, this was their final event before they start their uh, finals run. A bit of like their FedEx Cup playoffs, I guess, so to speak. And mm. Curtis, Curtis Luck had a solid week, tied for 23rd, but the event was won by American Chan Kim. We've got four Aussies going into the Corn Ferry Finals, so we'll look out for them to see if they can get one of the 30 tour cards up for grabs. They've changed the format of the way they do that now on the Corn Ferry Tour. So we've got Rain Gibson, Brett Druitt, Curtis Luck and Dimi Papadatos about to start a four-week stretch to see if they can get one of those 30 cards over there. Uh, a couple other smaller results was uh, on the LET Access Tour in Sweden. Christoph Blum had a top 10 tied eighth. And Naveed, uh, sorry, Hira Naveed had a top nine on the Epson Tour in Oregon. So uh, a lot of Aussies playing all around the world. That is as good a rap, as comprehensive a rap <laughs> as I think we could ask for. By the way, LPGA this week at the CPKC Women's Open at Shaughnessy Golf and Country Club, Vancouver, British Columbia, $2.5 million up for grabs, the purse uh, there. So next week we'll have some results for you for that. Our final show is next week. By the way, 0433981116, get your texts in to ask Nick Ahern anything you'd like about how you might need some help with your golf game and what you need help with. There's a copy of his book up for grabs, How to Play Your Best Golf. If you've got a nomination for the Mulligan this week, who could do use with a, who could use a Mulligan who could have really done with a take two from the, the weekend's golf? 0433981116 and we're continuing to build the world's ultimate golfer. That's all still to come on Off The Tee. Live around Australia on SEN, welcome to Off The Tee. Talking all things golf with Nick O'Hearn and Sam Hargraves. There's a... Probably drunk, I hope, for his case, or else he's just the biggest loser there is. But he uh, was cheering and yelling at Chris for missing his putt short, and he kept yelling that he had $3. One of them had $3 for me to make mine, and I got to the back of my backstroke, and he yelled, pull it, pretty loud. And I made it right in the middle, uh, and then I just started yelling at him, and then Joe yelled at him. So it's just uh, I love that people can gamble on golf, but... That is the one thing I'm worried about. He didn't care that it, I mean, I don't know what he had to lose. He got kicked out probably, and we were the last group. So So my nomination this week, Nick, for the mulligan. Each week we give out a mulligan for someone who could have really used one, a chance to make amends and a do-over, if you will. Uh, My mulligan this week goes to the dead set flog who yelled out uh, when Max Homer was putting for birdie. Uh, The bloke had done a course record the day before. just because he had a couple of dollars riding on it. It's, it, it's, it's true of all sports now, that the amount of abuse that athletes are copying for um, people who clearly are not uh, doing it responsibly, it's all good to have a punt here and there. But if you're getting to the point where losing a bet is bringing you to abuse an athlete because you missed out on your bet, then you need to be walking away, not just from gambling, but probably from sport as well, because it's not for you. Mm. Um, 
he then, what I loved about Max was that he gave the bloke a spray. <laughs> he then walked over and gave his golf ball to a young girl who'd been following him around and obviously a fan, and it lit her. You, it was like the girl who Sam Kerr gave the jersey to. This yeah. young girl was so excited that Max Homer had given her uh, his ball from the round that he had played. But that's my mulligan this week. For, and for anybody that thinks that it's okay to be abusing an athlete because you missed out on your multi, grow up. Yeah, it's a tough one. And unfortunately, I think in golf it might start to happen more often because they are the PGA Tour. Mm. They're going to bring in a little bit of uh, side betting and all that sort of thing. So we'll see how it goes. My mulligan, I'm going to give to Sahith Thagala because oh. he made bogey on the last. Uh, to get knocked out of the Tour Championship, finishes 31st. Hey, still a heck of a year, but, you know, if he started off that... I don't know how he made bogey. That's the thing. I wasn't sure if he missed a part or it was a bad drive. So, uh, But I'll give him the 18th hole again. That's his mulligan. <laughs> <laughs> hey, um, we're building the... Oh, you're building the ultimate golfer. So you're taking uh, uh, aspects of the, the, the full... Basically going through every club in the bag um, or every series of clubs in the bag and you're basically building the ultimate golf of who in your mind throughout golf, whether it be yesteryear or today, uh, plays that club or that set of clubs better than anybody else's. We build the ultimate golfer. So your driver was Scotty Scheffler. Your fairway wood was Jack Nicholas. Your long iron, uh, sorry, fairway wood is Henrik Stenson. Long iron's Jack Nicholas. Mid iron's Colin Morikawa. Steve Stricker is your wedge man. Today, chipping mm-hmm. and bunkers. Yep. And I'm, and I'm going to go back in time a little bit here because right. uh, with these two uh, aspects of the game, it's, it's hard to go past these two if you know a bit of history. The chipping has to go down to Seve Ballesteros. He was an amazing, uh, had an amazing short game. I could give him bunkers as well, but I won't. But the, if you haven't seen it, look up 1988 British Open Championship. Royal Leatham, his chip shot on the last to win. He got it up and down. It was one of the most incredible chip shots I've ever seen given the pressure, the moment, the lie and everything. So Seve goes for the chipping. As far as bunker goes... I've always heard, and again, I, I haven't seen, but I've always heard uh, uh, Gary Player was one of the best bunker players in the world. And you know he, who he learned it from? Norman Von Neider, apparently. So I'm going to give the best bunker player that has ever been, that I've heard of, is Norman Von Neider. That I've seen, I'd probably have to go with someone like a Peter Fowler, uh, Chucky Fowler, who uh, is an Australian. But I'm going to give the Von the note on, the Jeez, note on this one. you've gone way I've back. I've gone way back, yeah. Norman Von Neider. <laughs> I've got a signed book from the Von, so uh, <laughs> I've got to show him a bit of love, and he was a great man. May he rest in peace. Wow. So there's still a couple of very big names throughout golf that have not featured yet in building True. the ultimate golfer. So next week we're going to finish up with putting. Yes, and then the the brain, the mental basically game. the mental yeah. side of the game, which is, as you've said to me, is as important as any club in the bag. Mm, exactly. I mean, Probably I, more so. I, I could I, look. I could choose one player for all these yeah. all these aspects, <laughs> but I'm trying to mix it up here a little yeah. bit. So. Well, that was the challenge. I said you can't use Tiger for everything, <laughs> uh, and two things max. Or Jack. So yeah. it meant it meant that you had to think outside and go back in your mind, and it, so it's been fascinating. Hey, um. Almost out of time, but your tip of the week each and every week is for Mizuno Golf. Hashtag nothing feels like a Mizuno. Um, Mitch has texted in, and, and, and I'm going to roll it off the back of his question. Yeah. Hi, guys. With Jason Day, the only Aussie in the field for the Tour Championship, how do you rate his season, his best yet, question mark, back in the top 25 now? I'm going to flow on from that. What has he done, Jason Day, to get back? I mean, he was number one in the world uh, back in uh, the early 2010s, I think 2013 might have been the last time, or 2011. Um, what has he done and what is it that he's improved and what can we take away from that? 
Well, his biggest issues over the year has been injuries, and a lot of that comes to how flat out he mm. goes at the ball. And, and this past season, you know, he was ranked outside the top 100 entering the start of the year, and he got his ranking all the way back down, I think, within the top 20 uh, at one stage there. So he's the back half... Sorry, the last mm. few weeks has been a little Currently bit of a, 23rd. a yep. little bit of a struggle uh, in that regard. But he's still in the Tour Championship. But I think the one thing he has done is he's really dialed back as how hard he goes at the ball. He's done a lot of work with Chris Como, I believe, this past season to refine the golf swing, and that's a great lesson I think for everyone out there. When you get the driver or, or your longer clubs, don't ha- don't go at them so hard because. The club head speed will, will will be there, and I think great role models in this regard is to watch the women's game. You watch how accurate and how precise they hit the ball, and they're not going at, at the ball that hard. Their swing speeds are around the 100-mile-an-hour mark, maybe just a bit above that. You yeah. see a player every now and then who does give it a bit of a lash on the women's tour, but... Um, just bear that in mind when you get the driver in your hand. You don't have to go at it that hard to get the ball out there. Just effortless power rather than powerless effort. That's a good swing thought to have. All right. So I love that one, Mitch. There's a signed copy of Nick O'Hearn's book, How to Play Your Best Golf Coming Your Way. It, that's that's what ruined me um, when I was a youngster. Not to make this about me, but my grand, I came to golf through my grandma and I was only small. And, but I, I could swing it okay, and the, the club pro said, don't change anything. But then mm. I started playing with my cousin who could outdrive our parents <laughs> at the age of 13. I just tried to swing as hard as I could. Yeah. And at, now at the age of 42, I still haven't been able to change it well, and you, fix it. How do you think I felt playing on the PGA Tour? I was one of the shortest, uh, shortest hitters over there and playing with Tiger Woods and those guys. They were 40, 50 metres past me. But the good thing was I had a really good short game. I thought my way around the golf course pretty well, and it wasn't all about length. Uh, that's it, the uh, tip of the week for Ping Golf, for, uh, for Mizuno Golf, finding your stock is fitter at mizunogolf.com slash au. Our last show is next week. Thank you, Nick. Cheers, Sam.